Hello, welcome to Meaningless Problems, the short story podcast with me, Doe Wilman. This one is called They'll Have to Kill Me. When you wake up, they're talking about you. Not just your aides, but the radio too. Is there a historical precedent? That's what they're asking. Disraeli, apparently. The deputy PM will be taking Prime Minister's questions. That's what they're saying. Are you going to let that happen, Peter? Are you? Come on, pull yourself together. They're expecting to hear a statement from you later. That's what the radio's saying now. The whole country is waiting to hear from you. The whole country. And what are you going to tell them? Do you need me to spell it out for you, Peter? You're not going to say anything. You're not going to tell them anything. You're going to read the script they draw up for you, and you're going to move on. This episode is not going to define you. Are you listening to me? We haven't come this far to throw it all away now. Oh, what's the point? Why do I bother? Why do I kid myself that you'll listen to a word I say? I am the voice in the Prime Minister's head, and recently I've found myself quite far down the chain of command. You used to listen to me all the time, almost exclusively. You wouldn't have got to without my advice, but now, aides and civil servants and newspaper columnists, it's hard for me to get a word in. I'm about as influential as a senior cabinet minister. Martin and Georgina are talking about you, thinking you're still asleep. They're talking about the statement you're going to have to read and how you're not going to like it. It was much easier before these two came on the scene. Decisions are much easier when you don't have to listen to outside interference. The bastards, you say to no one in particular. The bastards, the bastards, they'll have to kill me, those bastards. Where am I? What's going on? Why is the Deputy Prime Minister taking PMQs? The radio continues its vague speculations about your health. It's saying we expect to hear a statement from you this afternoon. Turn that off, turn that off. It's your wife. It's Emily, thank God. She's the only outside voice worth listening to. I drove you towards her the moment we saw her, didn't I? I circled the thought of her round and round in your mind, the image of her in those silver jodhpurs. I knew she was the one. She's beautiful. She's clever, far cleverer than you are. She can ride a horse. Darling, she says, darling, it's okay. Darling, it's okay. You're safe. Everything's okay. Emily, you say, Thank God, thank God you're okay. I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm, I've had the most, um, what's going on, darling? Nothing, she says. Listen to her, Peter. Nothing's going, you haven't been very well. Nobody blames you. Everybody understands you're only human. You've been on medication, so things might be a bit confusing for a while. Georgina says everything's been taken care of. Where am I? You're home, Peter, says Emily. You're safe. You're at Checkers, thank God. Infinitely preferable to Downing Street. Georgina says they thought you'd be more comfortable here, and I quite agree. There's absolutely no rush, darling, says Emily. We can take as long as we need. Georgina confirms that Anne-Marie Blacksop, the Deputy Prime Minister, is standing in, temporarily. You don't like that, do you, Peter? Well, now you see how important it is that you get back to work. It's okay, darling, says Emily. Nobody blames you. Everyone understands. Martin says something about your approval ratings having never been higher. What did I do? You were working too hard, 
says Emily. You weren't sleeping. It's been a very stressful time with everything that's going on, and you put yourself under far too much pressure. It's a miracle something like this hasn't happened sooner. But nobody blames you. Martin says the nation is willing you to get better. But I've never been sure we can trust Martin. Yes, okay, you say. You're trying to piece it all together. What were you up to? You were at an event, weren't you? A big one. Martin was there, Georgina too. And there were those two men in the... with the... They were wearing black rain max. Breathe, darling, says Amelie. Don't get excited. She's right. As ever. We need to calm down. Georgina says you need to make a statement. Martin says you need to distance yourself from your previous remarks. Nothing, says Amelie. You didn't do anything. Remarks? What remarks? Okay, darling, maybe we should let you rest. What did I do, damn it, darling? You're going to get yourself worked up again. If I'm expected to go against something I've said, I think it's only right I should know what it is I... What it is I bloody well said, don't you think? No one's making you do anything. It was to do with those men, wasn't it? In the black rain, Max. Don't get yourself worked up, Peter. Oh dear, darling, I thought you'd be up to this. Georgina says it's only a short statement. They've got the teleprompter set up downstairs. Martin says no one's expecting Shakespeare. Yeah, cheers, Martin. They said something to me. That's right, the bastard. They took me into a side room at the event and they said I had to do what they wanted. They said they'd be calling the shots from now on. They said I can try and resist, but every prime minister falls in line sooner or later. Oh God, here we go again, says Emily. She's right, Peter, let it go. You turn to Georgina. She confirms what you expected. After those men in the black rain, Max, after they'd said what they said, you recorded a video, direct to camera, and you tweeted it out. I defied them. I defied the bastards. I refused to be silenced. We don't need this right now, says Amelie. Georgina says she deleted the tweet straight away, but it was too late. It was already spreading around the world. Oh, I see. For the first time in my premiership, I do something of my own accord, without approval. I say something I genuinely want to say, and now they're making out I'm mad. Darling, please. Get a grip, Prime Minister. Yes, you're right. This is what happened. You know what those men said to you. You heard it well enough. But you also know it's not remotely in your interest to share it with the world. What's the statement? What's the statement they want me to read? I was worried this would get you excited says Amelie. The doctor said you'd be okay, but I knew. I'm not, he says. I'm perfectly calm. What's the statement they're making me read? No one's making you do anything. Too right. I won't betray my principles. That's what I promised. Martin says that's very noble, but this job is all about compromises. And for the first time, I agree with him. Martin's right. You knew your principles would have to be flexible, but look, if we handle this correctly, Peter, in a few months, no one will remember this ever happened. Compromises, yes. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. You can, you can do all the good things, all the promises you made to the people, but you just need to do this little extra thing on top. Come on, what harm will it really do? And that's it, isn't it? That's why they thought I'd go along with it. He's one of the chaps. He'll play ball. Well, they're wrong. They're very badly wrong. Okay, darling, says Emily. She's giving up. Is that what you want? Every word of what I said is true. I've not been Prime Minister two minutes, and they've paid me a visit, and they expect me to play along just like all the others, but I won't. And that's why I've ended up 
Okay, darling, I'm not unwell, Emily. I'm not mad. No, she says, you're not. But you have been telling people, telling anyone who's willing to listen, that men in black rainmax will unseat you as prime minister if you don't go along with what they're saying, as part of a global conspiracy to enslave the world. Well, look where I've ended up. Helpless, bedbound, unable to do my job. Yes, darling, and we need to get you better as soon as possible. But why can't you see that this is proof? This is cast-iron proof that everything I've been saying is true. This is what I was scared of. Martin says once you've delivered the statement, you can take as long as you need to recover. Oh, yeah. And let Anne-Marie Blacksop and the men in black Rainmax take this country to its knees. No chance. She's getting sacked. First thing. Get me in a car to number 10. I'll make my statement from there. That's not going to happen, darling. If I say it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I'm the Prime Minister. No, you're not. Martin says that technically, Anne-Marie Blacksop has taken up that role on a temporary basis. And that's why this statement is so important. He says if you don't make it, it's hard to see how you'll ever be allowed back. He's right, Peter. I can't believe I'm saying this, but Martin is right. Come on, Peter, says Emily. Listen to reason. Allowed back. Allowed back. I was elected by the people with the largest majority we've had for years. I made promises and they... You said my approval ratings are up. Georgina says you've shown a human side. You've shown vulnerability. And that's playing well. Martin says they've got plans for you to lead a huge push on mental health. Yes, that'll be great. We can ride this out. We can use this to our advantage. Aha! I know what happened. It doesn't matter. Those men in Black Rain Max, they came to see me in Downing Street and they told me I had to go along with their plans or my premiership would be very difficult indeed. I know, Peter, I know they did. I thought they were joking. I asked them to leave, but one of them grabbed me by the arm. He twisted it behind my back. They said years may pass without me ever receiving a single instruction. It was possible. I might get to do a whole term. But the moment they contacted me, I would have to act on their wishes immediately or put myself at huge risk. Well, exactly. Why would you put us at risk, Peter? I told them to piss off. Foolish, Peter. It was foolish. And I said it again. And they got bloody angry. But I didn't care. And that's when I knew I needed to get this out there as soon as possible. That's why I recorded the video on my phone and posted it without approval. I was elected on a promise to tell the public the truth. I promised to break the mould, you know. I swore it not just to them, but to myself. And that's very admirable, but this is bigger than we are. Maybe a chance will come for us to put this right, but not like this. What matters right now, darling, says Emily, is you getting better. And that can only happen if you listen to reason. If telling the truth is mad, I'd rather be mad. I'm not doing it. I'm not making the statement. They'll have to kill me. That's what I said, isn't it? That's what I said in the video. I said they'll have to kill me. Think of all our friends, darling. Think of my family. They all saw the video. They're all very concerned. Believe me, I am thinking of them. I'm thinking of you. I'm not doing this for myself. You're right about that one. Bloody hell. You being unwell isn't good for anyone, she says. I'm not. I'm not unwell, you say. That's what they've told you, but you can't believe it. I'm not ill. I'm courageous. I'm standing up for what's right. That's what you've always said you love about me. This isn't the way. It's the only way. It's the only way I can. Martin leans over and whispers into your ear. They've got your daughter, sir. What? What did you just... 
What do you mean they've they've got Lily? What do you mean they've got Lily? No, darling, says Emily. Lily's perfectly safe. He just said he he just he denies it. Martin tells your wife he said nothing of the sort. He says the same to Georgina. But he did. He did say it. You're right. He did say it, Peter. Nobody said anything about Lily, says Emily. But he did. He whispered it into my ear. He denies it again. He says your daughter is safe and sound with Lord and Lady Amesbury. She's with mum and dad, Peter. Lily is perfectly safe. Georgina asks Martin and he insists he didn't. But he did. You're not wrong, Peter. He did say it. It's okay, darling, says Emily. I wanted you to send this message, but clearly it's too soon. We'll wait. Martin is incensed. He says we can't delay the statement. We'll be playing straight into Anne-Marie Blacksop's hands. Georgina agrees. We'll have to wait, says Emily. Martin protests again, but she ignores him. We'll have to wait. You're not well, Peter. You need to be better. Even when I am better. I'm not giving that statement. I can't. They'll have to kill me. No one's going to kill you, darling. No one's out to get you. You weren't there. You didn't hear what they said. They all leave the room. Martin and Georgina tell you to get better soon. Speculation is mounting around the Prime Minister's health. That's what the radio's saying now. With fears, he'll be unable to return to the job. The Deputy PM, Anne-Marie Blacksop, has moved to quash such rumours. Oh, isn't that nice? She's saying she's in regular dialogue with the Prime Minister. She's saying you're recovering well. You're looking forward to getting back to work. The liar. The liar. Georgina comes to see you alone. You tell her you're not reading the statement. But you must. Why can't you see that, Peter? You'll lose everything. Georgina says she's relieved. She says you're mad to go against them, but it's good mad. And you've always been good mad. Finally, you say, somebody, thank you. We're doomed, Peter, we're doomed. She asks if you're scared. Scared of what they'll do if you don't play along. Well, are you? Are you scared? You ask her where Lily is and she says she's at her grandparents. You say you want to speak to her, but your wife won't allow it until you're better. That's wise, Peter. Your wife has always been the wise one. I feel fine, you say. Look at me. You know it's me. You know I'm okay. This is how they do it, isn't it? Through the people you love. It's all fine being the tough guy. They can't hurt me. But my daughter, if I have to sacrifice my country to save her, well, I... It's no bloody choice at all, is it? What are you on about, Peter? Amelie's told you that Lily is fine. Everything okay, darling? Says Amelie. Georgina, find Lily. Georgina nods and leaves. Amelie asks what's going on. You accuse her of always hating Georgina. Oh, that's a good move, isn't it, Peter? Amelie says she's never had an opinion. She believes me. Is that right? Where's Lily? For goodness sake, Peter, she's already told you she's with her grandparents. Can I speak to her? As soon as you're better. Ask her to send me a message, a video message, while holding today's newspaper. I'm not going to do that, darling. I'm not involving her in any of this. I just need to know, for certain. Stop it, Peter, for goodness sake. Think about what you're saying. I know you're not in the right mind, darling, but are you seriously... I'm perfectly compass mentors. Go on, ask me anything. Are you seriously suggesting I would allow our daughter to be put at risk? 
No, of course he isn't. Of course he isn't. Of course you aren't, Peter. Say it. Say it. No, you say. Of course not. I've stood by you through everything. I know. I know. You're right. I'm sorry. I don't know how much more of this I can take, Peter. She leaves. Look what you're doing to her. She's the best thing that's ever happened to you and you're throwing it away. You'd never have become Prime Minister without her. You'd never have achieved anything. She is your secret weapon. She is the person you can trust more than anyone in the world. Here's Martin with a telephone. It's the Deputy PM. Don't take the call, Peter. Tell her you're unavailable. Hello, Anne-Marie. You're talking to the Prime Minister. Just once, Peter. Just once. Listen to the voice in your head. Come on. You're sure about that, Miduk? Anne-Marie, do you know why I appointed you Deputy Prime Minister? Oh, for goodness sake. A role designed to inflate your ego and bind your hands. Of all the heads to find myself trapped in. And the power to take over when you lose your mind. The cabinet meetings are running much more smoothly. I'm not reading the statement. We're at a six-month high in the polls. I'm not reading the statement. Oh, I am quaking in me boots. I mean it. You can read whatever statement you like, Ducky. You'll never get this job back. They've got to you, haven't they? Stop it, Peter, for God's sake. This call could be leaked. This is your career on the line. Oh, dear, oh, dear, Peter. It's worse than I thought. You've totally lost it. Maybe she's right. Or maybe you've been in on it all along. Tell me, go on, ruin me. Is Amelie involved? Is she in on it as well? You didn't just ask that. You didn't just ask that. Peter, mid-duck, listen to me carefully. Whatever crusade you're on, whatever it is you think you're trying to stop, it can't be stopped. Your career is done. You've lost confidence of cabinet, of your MPs, of public... As far as everyone's concerned, you're a sad little man who couldn't handle the pressure. The statement allows you some shred of dignity. It allows you to take your early retirement with a sense of decorum. It allows you to stay out of the nuthouse. Beyond that, it's of no use to anyone. It makes no ends to me. I have a country to run, Doug. I've stepped up at this difficult time and they can all see I were a much better fit than you ever were. I'm asking you to make the statement as a friend. But as a politician, I hope you come out and speak your truth. There's a secret cabal working to replace a privately educated former investment banker with a single mum from a council estate who's secretly a lizard. I think it'll do wonders for me approval ratings. Listen to me, OK? Listen. Don't you dare hang up. Oh, God. You brought that on yourself, Peter. Now why don't you listen to me? Amelie enters the room with Georgina and Martin in tow. Georgina says she's just got off the phone with your in-laws. Lily's been asking after her daddy. Lily wants to see me. Of course she does, says Amelie. We just need you to get better. And how do I get better? How do I show you I'm not mad? By admitting that all of these strange ideas you've been having about these men in black rain max trying to take you down as Prime Minister by realising that they aren't true. Martin says you just need to read the statement. They're in on it too, aren't they? No, Peter. Emily's father's always been in favour of a world government. Stop it. Martin, my so-called special adviser, he's obsessed, absolutely obsessed, with Kim Philby and the Cambridge Five. No wonder. You've lost it, Peter. You've really lost it now. 
You turned to Martin. Swear to me, swear to me you didn't whisper into my ear that they had my daughter. What are you talking about? Says Amelie. Martin swears by almighty God. There is no God. Fine, you say. I'll make the statement. Oh, thank God. Are you sure? Says Amelie. You'll admit it was all in your head. Yes, yes, I'll do it. Martin says he'll prepare the teleprompter. He says you should wear your herringbone suit. I'll be down in ten minutes. I'll admit it was all in my head. Too little sleep, too much stress. I'll explain everything. Thank you, darling, says Amelie. Thank you so much. They leave you alone. I'm not doing this because I think it's true. That's fine, Peter. I'm saying it so I can save my marriage and save my premiership. Exactly, exactly. I will use my power one way or another to expose those men in Black Rain Max and stop their evil plans. Okay, yes, fine. But not now. Not today. Not today. He's listening. You're listening to me. Always listen to the voice in your head, Prime Minister. Always listen to the voice in your head. And you do. You deliver the statement. You say that when you became Prime Minister, there were many battles to be fought. But one battle you neglected was the internal battle of the mind. Something we must fight each and every day of our lives. Such was my determination to serve you, you say. I failed to look after myself, and I paid a heavy price. But the next morning, the radio is saying you've resigned. It's saying the nation is reeling from the Prime Minister's decision. It's saying that speaking from his country residence of Chequers, the Prime Minister said that doing the job had been the greatest honour of his life, but it's now time for someone else to take up the baton. No, no, that's not your voice they're playing. That's not, that's not you. Now Anne-Marie's on the air. She's saying you're a great man, a great friend. What's going on, Peter? This thing goes even higher than you thought. It's your wife. She turns off the radio. How are you? She asks. It's an outrage. They can't get away with this. Peter, she says, I don't know if I can do this anymore. What? But I did everything you wanted. You did, Peter, you did. She puts her head in her hands. She must still be upset that you accused her of of putting Lily at risk. But you've lost your job. Isn't that all that matters right now? Darling, you say, I'm so sorry. All that stuff about Lily, it's, I know you would never, I know you would never do anything. Of course I wouldn't. Her eyes, bloodshot. It's like she's hiding something. Oh dear. Can I see her now? You ask. Can I see Lily? Amelie puts her head back in her hands. Where is she? Where is our daughter? At my parents, she says. For the last time, she's at my parents. Let's go then, together. She shakes her head. I want to see her. Not until you're better. I am better. What are you talking about? I did exactly what you wanted. And what's that, Peter? What did I want? You wanted me to say it was all in my head. You wanted me to address the nation and say the whole thing was in my head. But clearly, that wasn't good enough for you or anyone else. Listen to what you're saying, she says. No, I'll be honest, Peter. I don't know what she's talking about either. That is what she asked you to do. I wanted you to explain to everyone who saw your last video that that you didn't mean it, that none of what you said was true. I wanted our friends and family to, but that's what I did. You're right, Peter, that is what you did. No, darling, no, that's not what you did at all. Where are Martin and Georgina? Martin and Georgina, she says. Your colleagues? Yes, my colleagues. Are they here? Of course they're not here. 
Downing Street. They must be at Downing Street. Okay. So who is? What do you mean, darling? Who's here apart from us? Nobody. Don't be ridiculous. She's furious. I have been so, so patient with you. There must be at least 20 or 30 people in this building. Plus God knows how many press outside. I'm not stupid, Amelie. This is Chequers. This is the country residence of the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, the First Lord of the Treasury. She stands up. She can no longer control her tears. I'll say this one last time and then I'll, and then I'll, you're not the Prime Minister, Peter. Because of a coup, because of an undemocratic coup led by people who've gone behind my back and you've never been the Prime Minister. This isn't Chequers. It's a three-bedroom, semi-detached house in Kent. Oh, this is a clever move. This is a very clever move, Peter. You were right. I'm so sorry I doubted you, but you were right. I got this one wrong. She's in on it. She's in on it. Your wife has betrayed you. She's working with the men in Black Rainmax. Where are Martin and Georgina? I've no idea. She does. She's lying. Martin? Georgina? Anyone? Anyone? There's no one here, darling. There was yesterday. No, there wasn't. They were both here. No, they weren't. They're colleagues of yours at the bank where you work on the cash desk. As far as I'm aware, neither of them has ever been to this house, though they have called to check you're okay. Oh, this is a clever move. I heard it on the radio. The Prime Minister, they were saying, the Prime Minister, they were saying he wasn't well. Yes, she says, I haven't really paid attention, but yes, he seems to be having some sort of trouble. And he resigned this morning. Me, I'm having trouble. I'm the, I'm the, no, Peter, you're not. The statement wasn't enough. That's the problem. You're too much of a risk. There's someone at the front door. Wait here, she says. You can't trust her, Peter. She's in on it. She's betrayed you. Your wife has betrayed you. Hello again, Peter. Oh, God. It's them. It's them. The men in the black rain, Max. These gentlemen are going to take you somewhere where you can get help. You can't trust her, Peter. Get out of there. It's for your own good. I knew you were in league all along. I knew it. You're right. You did. They're not taking me to get help. They're going to lock me up or kill me. They're going to stop me talking, aren't they? They're going to shut me up. I am so sorry, Peter. I'm sorry. I've tried. You're in on it. She's in on it. You won't get away with this. The truth has a life of its own. Keep going, Peter. Don't worry, Peter. You're diminished, yes, but not defeated. Not defeated. Never defeated. As long as you have breath in your lungs. If they want to stop you, they'll have to kill me. They'll have to kill me. They'll have to kill me. That was They'll Have to Kill Me. Slightly longer than the other episodes, but thank you for sticking around until the end. And I'm delighted to say that next week's episode is going to be performed by Dot Major, who is one third of the band London Grammar. So uh, this is a chance to see or hear Dot in an entirely different light. He'll be performing an episode which is called Why You'll Never Be Dead. It's a great performance and I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. So please do spread the word to any London Grammar fans that you know and there are a lot of them out there. And uh, thanks again for listening and I will see you here next week. Cheers. <laughs>